I want us to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 1. The Gospel of John. I feel the Holy Ghost already in this room. I do. I do. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God. Come on, somebody. But that the works of God or the glory of the Lord should be revealed in him. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work or no one can see. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And when he said this, these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go, everybody said go. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Don't forget that, sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. Father, today we have felt your presence. Matter of fact, your presence is here and it's still strong. And God, we know that you've received our praise and our worship, but today in this moment, we're asking you now to anoint the time of your word until we're not the same again, until it breaks every yoke, until it destroys every chain. We pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we were changed forevermore. And Lord God, we thank you that your word will begin to work in us, Lord God, to bring us to our destiny. Let now that presence flow. Let now that prophetic flow. Let now that creativity flow. Let now, Lord God, every mindset be dealt with today Lord God that we may have the mind of Christ I pray in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen Amen. now touch somebody and say don't lose sight say somebody else don't lose sight years ago I got we got married my wife and I in 1986 about 1988 uh, we was in a health kick thing and so we decided that we wanted to be hikers And, you know, the credentials for being a hiker, in my mind, was go to the store, get everything you need, and you'll be a hiker. So we went out, and we got, how many know what I'm talking about? So we got everything we needed. We got the backpacks. You know what I'm talking about? And we had backpacks. Now, that makes you an official hiker right there. And so we got the backpacks, and we filled them with the things that we would need for whatever we wanted to do. And that day, we decided we wanted to go, and we wanted to go for a hike into the woods, and then we wanted to make s'mores. So light a little fire. So we brought some kindling stuff to make a fire, and then... And bought the stuff for the s'mores. And then we had the other things that we needed. Maybe a, uh, maybe we need a light jacket, a little sweater to put on in case it got a little cooler in the evening. And, you know, all the things. Uh, we had the water bottles in there. We had the cool water bottles. Come on, somebody. That's back when you had the, the, the you know, nobody knew about the pop things. Now, that's just common. That was new back in then, those days. We could pop the thing and just squeeze. Oh, that was great. And so we had that, those. And, and, uh, and I got myself, I bought myself a knife. But not just any knife. Look, I had to go out in the woods and protect my woman. Come on, say, say amen. And I'm going to protect my woman. I'm going to kill you. I'll kill you. And so, and so I got myself a knife. I got myself one of those Rambo knives. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Had a sewing kit inside of it, praise God, in case I cut myself. I could sew myself back together again. 
I had a, it was a long knife. I'm not kidding. I had a knife, and I was going to protect my woman out in the woods. You know what we were? We were hikers now because we had all the gear to prove it. So we went out. Did they show the, did they show, put it up there, guys? There we are right there. That's 1988. Look at that hair. You see my knife? Now keep that on the screen. Boy, you look hot, honey. This is a good picture of you. Look at the hiking boots she had on. Come on. We had hiking sticks. We had, uh, we had everything we needed, right? And so, and so I tell, I've told the story for years. Y'all didn't know it was true. It's the truth. You see how we, the fire there, we put the fire out, already had our s'mores. I said, let's take a quick shot of us. You see how the light is going down. I'm here to tell you that when we started out, we came out to work, had all our gear ready to go, and we decided we're going to go out into the woods. That's a nice state park, beautiful place out in Rockford, outside of Rockford, uh, Rockcut State Park, and, um, and it has miles of different trails. And so we parked our car in the midst of the park, and then we got out, and there's big trails, and then it turns into smaller trails, which just turn into beaten down trails. And you can go just about as far as you want. So we're going. We're enjoying this beautiful blue skies, gorgeous outside. Got our backpack. Got my knife to protect my woman. Come on, somebody. Against anything that might come at any moment. And we're walking out there, and they're seeing all these beautiful brooks and creeks, and, and there's a river flowing somewhere. We could never got there, but it's, we could hear it. Um, there, there's a beautiful rocks and displays of different, uh, uh, different types of plants and trees. And, and there's a, there's a cleft that we had to actually navigate at a path. And then there was like a sheer cleft that went down about 25, 35 feet. And there was a, like a babbling brook down there. And it was just absolutely, everything was hunky-dory, wonderful, good until the lights went out. I didn't know that, that that's we went, we went to a clearing and we made some s'mores. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, lights are, you know, the, the sun's going down now. I said, we better get going. So I didn't know that by the time he got into the woods about a half mile, because we were about a mile or so out, about a half mile in, I didn't know that when you're in the woods, the sun goes down even quicker. So it gets even darker, even faster. How many know what I'm talking about? And so now we're out there, and there's no lights on. We did not. We had everything. I could sew my arm back. If it fell off, I could put it back on. Everything we had except for a flashlight. So we're walking and we're groping and we're trying to figure out how to get back. And we got lost. Then I thought, I think I can hear the creek. But the creek was dangerous to go by because the creek had that sheer cliff. And so we had to walk like this. Come on, somebody, holding hands. Walking like this. We didn't know where the end was. We were just had these, these ideas that we may slip off and fall and nobody would find us. And then there were noises and we heard coyotes and wolves howling. There were squirrels. We didn't know the difference. We were from the city. We had no idea. And bunnies. Come on. But we thought, we, I'll, take money. I'll kill you, bunny. I will kill the killer bunny. Amen. Life was fine until we couldn't see, until we couldn't navigate. Let me just say, to get your destination, uh, but to not be able to see is a tremendous handicap. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Close your eyes if you trust me. Close your eyes. Now try to imagine that this is now your world. This is who you are. You cannot see. You can't see anything. You can maybe imagine where the doors are to get out of here. I can navigate my way back. I could go to the doors, and maybe I know where the lobby is. I kind of remember the doors that go out into the parking lot. I kind of remember where my car is. You might be able to make it back a little ways. You can open your eyes now. But the truth is, you might be able to go back to where you've been without sight, but it will take exceedingly hard steps to go and get to a new destination. 
And we prophesied over here not that long ago, the Lord gave me a word that this church and the people within this church and maybe the body of Christ at large is moving into a new day, a new season, and a new assignment. How many people are ready to get to your new day and your new season and new assignment? Amen. So Jesus, he now comes upon a man that is not only blind, but he's born blind. Blindness is all he knows. He has nothing to compare to. He has nothing to relate to the past to or to remember how something might have looked because he remembers at five seeing that. He has nothing. A non-seeing world is all he has ever had. As Jesus gets close to the man, questions begin to emerge around him. He's seated there. Jesus gets close enough to him, and as he gets close, his disciples begin to ask the Lord, who has sinned? What you mean? Well, we see a blind man here. Who sinned? Was it him? Was it his mother? Or was it his father? Who made this man blind? Isn't it interesting how people are always looking for someone to blame when things go wrong? There's always going to be somebody out there that's looking to look at other people to go, oh, the reason why they're going through that is because of their sin or because their problem. It's human proclivity in us to look to blame something to give some reason to it. They might say, well, the reason why they in the mess they in is because of such and such. Oh, well, what I heard was, you know, this wouldn't have happened if they would have. Get your religious Monday morning quarterback and Johnny come lately spirit out of my business. I love how people want to tell you how to live their lives, but they don't know how to live their own lives. Touch your neighbor and say, get out of my business. Just tell them. Just maybe the mess that they're in is not because of something they did so wrong, but because of something they did so right. How many remember the Apostle Paul? who wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. The Apostle Paul, the Bible says, this man who did everything the best that he could was touted as one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. Again, wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. The Bible said he was jailed. The Bible says he was beaten. The Bible says he was stoned to death and then raised back to life again. That's why he said, I knew a man about 14 years ago. He went to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. That was the day he got stoned to death and the disciples got around him and raised him back to life again. The same man that got exiled from town to town and from city to city. And that same man said, I know it looks like from the outside that I've sinned. I know it looks like to everybody else that's religious that I'm doing something wrong. And that's how come I got in the mess that I'm in. But I'm here to tell you, I'm still Jesus' chief apostle. And he said, I don't want you to be ashamed of my chains. It was Paul that wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earth and vessels. The apostle Paul would know better than anyone else. He said that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That God through my life hardships, my life suffering, my life conflicts, my life contradictions. And in all that, God would still get the glory. He said we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. But yet we got Christians that can't take that much persecution. And they talk a little bit about you behind your back and you fold like an accordion. Because you're saying, I don't know if I can live another day. People talking about me. Are you kidding me? Paul was crushed. 
Paul was perplexed. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. He said, I'm in despair, but not persecuted. I've been forsaken, but not struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in my body. Is somebody here today? I'm here to tell you, no matter what you're going through, and many are going through, and that's why God has me to preach this message today. He's still with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You are with me. Everybody say, he's with me. This blind man, church, had no way to hide his situation. Most of us have ways. So people will never know what we're going through. You can hide being broke. You can hide being frustrated. You can hide being angry. You can hide being hurt. And this man was probably all the above. But tell me, how can you hide from being blind? Yet there are times in our lives that God puts us in situations where we cannot see that we're groping through life trying to figure out the next step, trying to figure out what God wants us to do. We can't see. I'm here to tell you, you can go to school and God help you if you can, and you can go get a double master's, a triple master's, and be the smartest guy in the room. But if you can't see to use the knowledge that you've attained, how in the world are you going to get to your destiny? You can go to the gym and build your body strong and have big old muscles and can lift over 350 pounds in a bench press. But I'm here to tell you, what good is that if you're not able to see the next step to move towards your destiny? You can join our church, and we hope that you do, but becoming a member of Faith Builds does not get you an automatic destiny card. No, if you got to be a member, but you're still groping, how are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? Come on, somebody. No matter how many great attributes this man had it was affected by his blindness he couldn't see it was affected his strength is affected by his blindness his intellect was affected by his blindness his relationships were affected by his blindness his family life was affected by his blindness his economic status was affected by his blindness let me ask you have you ever thought to yourself what would I have been if I wasn't so blind? If I could have had sight to see, I could have been a better father. Had I had sight to see, I could have been a better mother. If I had sight to see and wasn't so blind, I would have had that career. I would have been able to have that relationship. I would have been involved in that network. I would have started that ministry or that business. But just had sight to see. And that's when... People begin to wonder. When they can't see, they begin to wonder, whose fault is it? That they have not become the person that they thought they should have become. Why? Because we get into that, if we can't explain it, then we tend to blame it. And we live in a culture today where blame is a big deal. When I was a kid, it was take responsibility, all personal responsibility, take responsibility. Now it's, nope, it's their fault, it's because of them, it's those people there, it's them people, it's my neighbor, it's my father, it's my father or my mother. I just call it that, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm going to blame my mother and my father, I guess they were used to that. Who sinned, Jesus, him or his mom and dad? 
And you know what I found out? When you can't explain it, you blame it. And you might blame your mother and father what they did or did not do. Why would you give them so much power over your life? They're not anointed to fix your problem anyways. I'm preaching better than y'all want to shout. I came to talk to somebody here today that's tired of being stuck in their blindness. Begging for everything. Amen. Children of Israel were told by God, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be your king. And no one's going to be over you but me. I'm your Lord. If you'll trust me, I'll give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you the promised land. He calls Moses, said, you're the one going to deliver him out. And Moses does. And the first dilemma, the first problem they get, they can't figure out how they're going to cross the Red Sea. So all those mysterious things that happened in Egypt, all the miracles that took place, but now they're up against their first dilemma on their own. And what do they do? They can't explain it. They can't fix it. So they look to the leader and say, you're to blame. It was you, Moses, that brought us out here to die like dogs and become victims and be buried out here in the death. It would be better for us if we were back in Egypt. Are you crazy? I would rather live one day free than a whole lifetime as a slave with my back being beaten and somebody else telling me how to live my life. Amen. Jesus made it clear. The blindness is not to be blamed on him. The blindness is not to be blamed on his mother or even his father. But that the glory of God may be revealed. I came to talk to somebody today that can't see where they're going right now. That are not sure of the next step to take. They don't know where they might end up. They're too scared to move forward. I came by to tell somebody that God is about to get the glory out of your situation, out of your trouble. I came to tell two people here today that God didn't put this on you to destroy you. He put this on you to deploy you. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Your crisis is not a crisis at all. It's hidden opportunity. You got to find the Christ in the crisis. It wasn't until Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace and were in the crisis that the Christ showed up. And then they were promoted. I think I might preach a little bit. But we can't see it. We can't see it. Many of you are asking, how did I get into this problem? Will I ever get out of this problem? Will I ever have my destiny? Will I ever get married? Will I ever be free? Will I ever have an opportunity? God did not bring you out this far to leave you in the mess. God brought you out that he might take you in. Are there any takers today that are ready to go into the promised land? Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you, God is going to get the glory. I said, my God's going to get the glory. I said, God's going to get the glory out of the suffering you've been through. And church, are you ready for this? 
You might not like this, but hear me out. God allowed you to be blind. He allowed you to be broke. He allowed you to be humiliated. He allowed you to be embarrassed. And he let all them people around you see it too. And I'm going to say something right here. For all you, you understand something. You need to get free and delivered of people's opinions. You are, you are, you are a, you are hooked on people's affirmation. I mean, you'll say anything to get a pat on the back. Since when are we, according to God's word, to run around trying to get a pat on the back from our friends? Or even our family. My pat's got to come from heaven. And so we're hooked on affirmation. We want to know. And you say, oh, everything's good, man. Everybody like Look, I got 125 likes. I got some hearts. My Facebook account's blowing up. Everybody loves me. You don't even know it. 15 people talking about you right now behind your back. Well, I'm preaching real good right now. You got to get free and say, this is what you tell me. When you're going through your trouble, I know you're laughing now. Go ahead and get your phone out. Take a picture. Take a picture. Because what you see today, you're not going to see one year from now. You understand, God needed to go public with what you're going through. And yes, it was humiliating. And yes, it was embarrassing. And yes, it was tough. Why did he do that? So when he gets ready to turn things around, you're not going to get any glory. But your God is going to get all the glory. Everybody say, to God, be the glory. Now give them a shout about it right now. I know you're struggling, but my Bible says weeping may endure for a night. I said weeping, crying, releasing may endure for one night, but joy cometh in the morning. Everybody say it's time to take my joy back. High five three people and let them know. Come on. Now touch your neighbor and say, wipe your eyes that you may see.